Well, good morning, everybody. Nice to be back uh, sharing a word with my friends here at Linfield URC. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, my text this morning is from that first reading we had from Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Now, I don't prepare so many new sermons nowadays. At my venerable stage in life, it's not like being minister of one's own congregation, where sometimes one has to actually prepare two services uh, on a Sunday. Sometimes ideas rumble round in my mind for weeks before they mature. Sometimes something triggers more immediate action. Well, this one is a little bit of both. I've had some thoughts gathering momentum for a while, but they crystallized when I listened to a recording uh, recently of, of the 70th anniversary service for the founding of the World Council of Churches. This was held in the Neuerkirch in uh, a 15th century church in Amsterdam, the very spot where the World Council was actually formed officially back in 1948. Now, having worked for that uh, organization for eight years, uh, there's a lot I could say about that event and its background, but that's not what struck me and prompted the reaction I want to share with you this morning. There were hundreds of people gathered there at that service from all around the world. The World Council bring, brings together some 350 churches and denominations and church groups uh, in more than 110 countries and territories around the world, representing over 500 million Christians. Half a billion, I'm told, in today's speak. Yet, the astonishing thing to me is that the entire service was conducted in the English language. And it was pretty flawless, articulate English at that. One of my uh, initial vivid memories uh, on my arrival at my new job, the Ecumenical Centre in Geneva back in 1990, was my first senior management meeting. There were five of us in the General Secretariat team, and there were some 20 directors of the various subunits which ran the activities and programs of the World Council. And we met in conference one afternoon, and I was astounded to realize that the entire proceedings were conducted in clear, plain English. And I think, at that point, I was the only English person present. There were two or three Americans as well. I, in quite a different context, I, I, 
I enjoy watching the Formula One Grand Prix. Uh, and once again, the commentators interviewing the drivers from all around the world at the close of the race all converse in excellent English. And I'm amazed watching the incessant Brexit on television, uh, how many European leaders actually are able to speak fluent English. I don't think we often appreciate just how privileged we are that our mother tongue has more or less been adopted as the lingua franca by the world community. But that set me thinking. I'm sure ours isn't the easiest language to master. I was just considering how many spoken words have different meanings. A hare can be a small creature streaking across an open field pursued by hounds, or it can be something which sprouts from the top of your head. A will can be a legal document, a description of our motivations, or a verb, meaning we're going to do something in the future. Blue can be exhaling, or a colour, or something we haven't succeeded in. And one can think of an infinite number of examples. How does the non-mother tongue English speaker cope? But all this leads me to the thoughts which have been rumbling round in my mind. How, in fact, does God communicate with us, his children. First, there's the need for us to be listening. Nigel Uden is the present uh, ministerial moderator of our General Assembly. He was formerly, of course, our moderator here in the Southern Synod. Uh, in his address, he spoke of the fact he had quite a long period of um, throat troubles, which meant that he had been uh, listening rather than talking more of late. And so he'd been going around, hearing what was said, consulting, trying to discern what God was conveying to the churches through the words of a great variety of different people in town and country of all ages, in local churches and synods and at church house in the URC and amongst our ecumenical partners. One comment he quoted struck me particularly. It was from an elderly Waldensian pastor in a Sicilian migrant center. That was different from Linfield High Street, as you can get, who said our primary task is to find contemporary ways of speaking about the eternal grace of God in Jesus Christ. Nigel's conclusion was that the first priority for people put in his sort of leadership 
uh, position is to listen. To listen to the world, to listen to the church, and to listen to God. Would that our politicians did a bit more listening. But the problem is that listening to God is not easy, and we don't always hear the same things, do we? You only have to look at the many different religions of the world. At least all the um, major monotheistic religions, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, claim to listen to one supreme being, but they come out with wildly different conclusions as to what he is saying to his world. Even within religions, we hear different things. Just think of the very varied views of Roman Catholics, Orthodox, Protestant, Evangelical, Charismatic churches. Within this Christian family of ours, I think all would point to the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as being the primary source of our knowledge of God and of his will for us. But speaking in very general terms, the Roman Catholic would also point to the Pope as being able to, to interpret the faith to believers through his encyclicals. The Roman hierarchy certainly used to get a bit worried when their uh, faithful started to read the Bible. The Orthodox for the Orthodox, scripture and tradition go hand in hand as the reflection of God's way of communicating with his people. For Protestants and evangelicals, it's scripture itself, which is the prime revelation of God's will and purpose for us. But it's often where one stands in the theological spectrum which determines what one hears. For the charismatic and the Pentecostal families, everything has to be interpreted directly through the Holy Spirit. The true scholar, of course, uh, will tell us that we need to go back to the original languages to understand the nuances of Scripture. How fluent is your Hebrew and Greek, I wonder? They will take us first to the Old Testament, where it was the prophets that spelled out God's will. Thus says the Lord. Think of Ezekiel's visions. Jeremiah sets out God's concerns for human conduct, his law for the children of Israel. Isaiah 55 vividly reminds them that God's word goes out from the mouth and will accomplish what he desires. Chapter 40 tells us, we're reminded later in, in, in Peter's first epistle of those wonderful words, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. And that brings us to this key 
term word. This surely is something which has very different interpretations. Just like some of the similar sounding English words we spoke of earlier. What precisely do we mean by God's word? What did Paul actually intend when he told the uh, Thessalonians and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us you accepted it not as a human word but as it actually is the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe Paul's words and in Hebrews we read, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Well, I'm not sure that in either uh, case that written scriptures, the Bible as we think of it, are actually being referred to here. It's said that up to the time of Queen Elizabeth I, communication was largely visual. People thought much more in pictures, what they experienced, what they saw. It was only after that, after the Reformation, I suppose, that we moved into the verbal age. Spoken and then written, and then eventually printed, as that became available. One of my favorite texts uh, is the very first verse of the letter to the <coughs> is the letter to the Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. To me, I think that's the, the key to the whole thing. Think again of that... Uh, wonderful first chapter of uh, St. John's Gospel which was read to us. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all humanity. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God, 
and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. The thing I have been teasing in my mind is this question of what or who is the actual word of God and the only possible conclusion is Jesus himself. We encounter him through the scriptures of course. In that sense the Bible is God's word because that's the most significant way in which we come to know Jesus. But we mustn't shut our minds to other ways in which we come to know and experience God's communication with us. Because Jesus, our Jesus, is a living Lord. He's right here. He's with us. He accompanies us as we walk in his way, revealing himself to us constantly on our life's journey. So listen. Read the scriptures. Meet Jesus in your personal prayers and in our corporate worship together. But listen also in the unlikely places and to the unlikely people in everyday life. There may even still be a few prophets around. But above all else, seek to walk the way to live the life of Jesus today. For in doing so, God, in his gracious love, will be communicating with you through his word and through you to that very needy world outside. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.